Welcome to episode 15 of the Green and Healthy Places podcast, in which we discuss sustainability and wellness in real estate and hospitality. I'm your host, Matt Morley, founder of BioBlue Sustainability, Biophilico Wellness Interiors, and Biofit Nature Gyms. This episode, we're with Robert McKee, the dynamic founder of Zandor Sustainable Flooring based in Virginia, USA, supplying hospitals, offices, gyms, and residential spaces around the world. Flooring plays a fundamental part in creating a healthy indoor environment, particularly as it relates to indoor air quality. Now more than ever, designers and architects are thinking about cleaning and hygiene, which is right in Zandor's ballpark. So Robert talks us through the world of heavy, healthy product certifications, the many benefits of using cork as a raw material, why you do not want natural rubber in your floor covering, but rather vulcanized rubber, the life cycle of flooring and the role of maintenance over what can be 30 years, as well as Zandor's really innovative approach to design that that draws on inspiration, often from craftsmen in the early 1900s. If you like this type of content, please consider subscribing and you can, of course, find Zandor and their local distributors listed on their website. That's zandor.com. Not a mouse. Here's Robert McKee. Robert, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you founded the company back in 2004. Could you give us a quick introduction to what Zandor Flooring looks like today as a business, your products and, and perhaps where you manufacture uh, all these flooring tiles? Well, sure, and um, appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. A um, little bit about the company. We did start in 2004. The objective of the company from the beginning has always been to focus on sustainable uh, commercial products for the floor covering uh, portion of, of uh, construction and really with a focus of not um, – selling something to be sustainable just to be sustainable, but but um, to have sustainable products that really performed or outperformed other products in the industry that weren't necessarily sustainable and also meeting the price points um, that were important. Um, our, our interest has never been to, to profit off of sustainability. It's always just to be, to be sustainable because it's the right thing to do. And, and my family history goes back into the cork industry cork flooring um sustainability was not something that people even talked about uh, you know back in my grandfather's era in the 40s and 50s but uh it's always been something that we have uh had in our in our product line and uh, everything we've always sold has has had that sustainability story before it became popular so it's something uh, we just continue with you know i think that's something that really comes through in in your com- communications online that that yeah it is a fundamental piece of, of what you do rather than an afterthought that you've you've sort of tacked on at the end. It feels like it's really, yeah, so you've built the business around that philosophy or that it's just it's just part of how you see the world. And I think that there is a clear difference now in, in companies that that really have a value system behind them. And and that was very much the the sort of initial insight that, that kind of led me to the contacting you guys. So you have, and I came across you primarily from the sport and fitness flooring and cork flooring, but you do others, you do commercial flooring as well, right? Correct. So basically, um, and just getting back real quick to what, what you mentioned mm. and kind of where we come from there, there's, 
a lot of temptation always for companies to go out and sell products just to sell products. For instance, uh, you know, we, we have plenty of opportunities to go and sell vinyl based products, things of that nature. And it's something from the beginning, we've always made, made the point of, we are going to focus on the sustainability side of things. Um, we're not going to be tempted into having the non-sustainable products. You get into the shawls of the, of the industry, the big guys, they have their sustainable lines and their non-sustainable lines. And to me, it's kind of like, it, it kind of defeats the whole purpose. Either either we're all in or we're not. So, um, but getting back to the the products that we have, we have three basic products. The first um, kind of our flagship product is something that that we introduced way back when um, in the U.S. Uh, it's a product made of cork and rubber combined. Um, we've just recently made some significant improvements to that and switched to an all nitrile rubber based product. Uh, which has great cl cleanability, which is obviously really important these days. Chemical resistance, um, slip resistance, all those sorts of things. Um, then we have uh, our solid rubber product, uh, which is kind of the uh, go-to heavy-duty type of a floor covering product for hospitals, airports, things of that nature. And then we have our solid cork flooring product. Uh, which has uh, certain applications in commercial in commercial use as well as uh, a lot of residential use as well. So then, clearly, the issue—not the issue, but I suppose like one of the ways, one of the interesting points—is just how from from the let's call it an architect or an interior designer or design and build team who are specking your flooring, how they can find their way through from these. Uh, various different materials and what the sort of pros and cons are. And one thing I've noticed is how you've you've really gone big on the let's call them certifications, right? Where you, you've kind of where you lean on these systems that have a lot of scientific backing behind them. And you know, for example, the idea of a, like a declare label uh, from the the ILFI, the International Living Future Institute, and, and the Red List Free concept. Can you talk a bit about? about how you did that and, and what role those type of um, certifications or quality assurances play within your strategy? So it, it's, we've always been um, completely transparent about our products. Um, again, it goes back to the history of, of, of my family being involved in this business. Uh, it's just kind of how we're wired. Um, and you can see what we've, what we've, uh, uh, what we participate in is these transparency programs. The, the challenge is for a small company uh, is the cost of these um, programs, which um, can be a, a certain bar barrier to entry, uh, whether intentional or not, I'm not sure. But uh, so we, we try to pick and choose what's going to be most important, what's really going to tell the story about our product to the specifiers, because ultimately that's what we're trying to do is to easily convey the sustainability story of our product uh, in a completely transparent and honest way, um, because that's what ultimately everyone else is looking for. Uh, it gets pretty challenging, I think, both on the supply side and the specification side. Uh, it's, it's challenging for people to really understand even what they're looking at. Um, and I find that with uh, specifiers that um, you know are, have been doing this for a long time get confused rightfully so on on you know a lot of these things because there's so much information out there yeah i think we we end up we're, we're looking for a 
a quick um, and reliable route through in terms of digesting that information. And often, yeah, like a declare label or a, or a cradle to cradle certificate, it's just boom. You know, you know, once that's there because of the integrity behind those systems, when a when a product comes out with that, you, you can just rely on it 100%. I think that's, and they're going to be increasingly important, I think, as 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 the, the the green building systems above start to sort of require those individual product um, green building products to to align with their systems because then you sort of you need everything to join up right a bit like a, a tetris puzzle one of the things i wanted to ask you about was and it's a big theme right now for obvious reasons is is indoor air quality and if you could just talk for a moment about how but obviously, how your products would, if you like, have a positive impact on that versus what flooring can do uh, in a negative sense to, um, yeah, to negatively affect indoor air quality and how that how that works. Because so some people might not think about flooring as being something that would, um, yeah, have, be a play, have a role to play in in the air quality of of an indoor space. Well, I think um, you know. I, just in, in a basic sense, um, floor covering can have a definitely a negative effect on air quality. Uh, what you're looking for in the floor covering itself as a material would be something that has a neutral effect, that has no effect on air quality as far as anything negative. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, if you look at certain types of floor covering, if you look at soft surfaces, uh, how cleanable are they? because that's when you can start to obviously have a negative effect on air quality. So it's not necessarily the material itself, um, but it is uh, what can get into the material, uh, you know, dirt, uh, dust, all those sorts of things that, uh, you know, allergens, things of that nature, which can, can be contained in the floor covering itself. Um, And as I said, specifically in soft surfaces. Now, if you get into, um, uh, products, PVC products, things of that nature. Certainly off-gassing is something that uh, is is uh, important uh, to pay attention to. And uh, again, it's something that, you know, in the formulation of our products, we make sure that there is nothing that is going to cause any uh, unsafe off-gassing of uh, any chemicals, allergens, things of that nature. And it's always been one of those things that I've liked about cork in general as a raw material is that uh, it, it has a completely neutral effect uh, on environments as far as um, there's no off-gassing with cork. There's no negative implications whatsoever. Uh, and it's something that's uh, on the residential side. It's something that oftentimes has been used in the past for people that have um, uh, certain allergies, things of that nature. Um, and then talk about the cleanability of a product. Uh, if you look at... Um, you know, a solid surface rubber flooring versus, let's say, uh, recycled rubber flooring or something like that. The cleanability level of a solid vulcanized surface uh, is extremely important to, to indoor air quality and just uh, health in general uh, because it is a very cleanable uh, surface. Okay, so let me ask you that one. That's an interesting one because that comes up a lot with with my gym designs, where I'll often I'll see these terms banded around quite quite sort of loosely around eco rubber flooring tiles and vulcanized rubber tiles. And I always think, gosh, is that what's the difference there? Is 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 all rubber sustainable or is eco rubber is that more sustainable than recycled rubber? How do you see things there? And can you help us sort of unpick those ideas? So yeah, and it's it's um this is one of the challenges that 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 a company like ourselves fights uh, against. Uh, because there's been so much marketing 
and continues to be marketing that's not necessarily straightforward, I guess I would say. Um, so you have all rubber is vulcanized. Uh, vulcanization is the process of curing the rubber basically through heat and uh, uh, and pressure. Um, so, but then you have what a lot of people refer to as recycled rubber flooring or crumb rubber flooring. Um, and then what we have is what we refer to as vulcanized rubber flooring. And the reason we call it vulcanized uh, is that it is a completely sealed. Uh, the, the vulcanization is the last process in the manufacturing of our material. So it leaves a completely sealed, impenetrable surface. If you look at recycled rubber flooring or from rubber flooring, the rubber chips are vulcanized, but the last process, in fact, is actually they grind up those chips. Then they put uh, typically a urethane glue with them and then they cure them. So it's not the final process of recycled rubber flooring or crumb rubber is not vulcanization. It's actually just gluing those chips back together. And that's why, as a result, you end up with a surface that has a lot of pores in it and holes in it. Uh, you have to put finishes on it. Um, you have off-gassing because you have, a, a, a you know, some of those components being the recycled rubbers sometimes are not, not great. You don't know what the contents are. Um, so I'm not sure. Hopefully that clarifies it a bit. That does. That does. And then you get into, and then your, your, one of your big innovations was then combining the rubber with the cork. So how does that, how does that process work? How do you blend or combine the two into one solid substance for your floors? So, so I can't claim to be the, the ultimate inventor of that product. That was actually uh, uh, invented way back in the early 1900s. Um, but uh, and actually was used in the uh, double decker buses in London uh, was was one of the original flooring materials for that. Uh, and uh, it was actually, I think, kind of cork was used as a cheap filler for the product way back in the day. Um, it's a product that I discovered uh, probably 15 or so years ago. It was not being produced. Uh, it was not being used. And I thought it was a phenomenal idea to take basically all the great properties of cork, being the sustainability, um, great acoustical properties, great comfort properties, and mix those properties with the those of rubber, which are uh, phenomenal durability, uh, gives us a lot of options for color, things of that nature. And, and as a result, we've over time developed this product, which is uh, kind of takes the, the best of both worlds with rubber and with cork and puts them together and uh, gives us a really phenomenal product. And when I think, when I think of, of cork, I guess I, I think of like the big cork nations, I suppose, yeah, Spain, Portugal, but, and then, and then rubber is rubber. Uh, does it have a typical geographic denomination? Are there certain areas of the world where it's more typical, or less typical? And then, are you sourcing from all over the world, bring it into the U.S., manufacturing there, and then shipping away from from your base? Is that how it works? So, so floor covering in general uh, is not made from uh, natural rubber. In fact, you really don't want natural rubber in your floor covering. For a variety of reasons, and that this is one of the misconceptions that that we don't uh, go out and, and sell that our products made with natural rubber because it's not. Um, the reason you don't want natural rubber in your product is uh, because 
you have a, a very strong odor uh, from natural rubber, which um, most people have smelled from erasers or whatever the case may be. Um, that odor is from a protein that is active in that uh, natural rubber and can also cause allergies as well. Um, latex, uh, latex allergies, is, that's from natural rubber. So you certainly don't want that in a healthcare situation. Um, natural rubber has very inconsistent coloring. Uh, so color consistency is difficult, which is obviously important for design. Uh, it also has very poor aging characteristics. Uh, if you've seen a dry rotted tire in the past on a bike or something like that, that's from natural rubber. So uh, long and short of it is natural rubber is one of the coolest raw materials out there, but it's not great for using in floor covering. So um, what we use, we'll use a small amount of natural rubber, uh, which will add some slip resistance characteristics, things of that nature. But the bulk of rubber is uh, a byproduct of the petroleum industry. Um, basically, it's a waste that's generated, uh, which we can thankfully use uh, to generate, uh, you know, this resin that that has these great properties. And and the nice thing about rubber is that it's easily recyclable into a variety of different things after its use. Uh, and um, you know, it it's uh, does not have uh, bad chemical properties, anything of that nature. Mentioned the, what happens after a product's use. I think, you know, we're seeing more and more attention paid to this concept of, of circularity, right? So when you, when you put something in, first of all, like, where's it come from, but then also where does it go after you finished using it? So, you know, where does your flooring go in, in 10 years time or however long a life cycle of your flooring might be. And then, is it safely recycled after that? So encouraging a, a, a different way of thinking about a purchase, which isn't just one sense, well, how long will it will it last? Like on a sort of a linear approach, well, how many years can I of use can I get out of this and therefore how much value? But also what impact is this product having before and after its life, right? So you kind of almost then try and pick things up again with the client at the end of that, of that. Is it 10, 15 years for a for a, a fit out? Well, I think so with life cycle, there's two things that I always look at, which is number one, how long is the product going to last? Uh, number one, and number two, how much energy has to be put into that product while it is in service? Meaning what is your maintenance regime going to be? Do you have to be constantly applying a finish to it to keep it looking good, to keep it from, uh, uh, to keep it clean. And, you know, we talk about the recycled rubber flooring uh, and that's one of those things, maybe the life cycle lifetime of the floor is similar but the amount of energy that has to be put in to maintain that with all the finishes which have to be manufactured which have off gassing as they're applied um you know your labor cost there is far more than the material ever will be um so that's that's a, that's a hugely important part um with the life cycle cost obviously is that maintenance requirement and and that's where with rubber flooring it's such a phenomenal product because there's so little it's necessary uh and and as we continue to develop our products, um, and, and in general with with solid vulcanized rubber flooring, it's it's a fairly low maintenance product, and uh, you know it's 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 great for for that uh, you know not having to use finishes, not having to use waxes, things of that nature. Um, but getting back to the actual life span of the product, uh, it's it will last for decades. Um, you know, if, if you want your rubber floor to last for 30 years, as long as you maintain it properly, it's going to last that long. Now, the colors probably will 
probably fall out of fashion in, in, in that period of time. Uh, so what can you do with it? Well, you can do a couple things. Number one, you can install a floor on top of it. And the nice thing about rubber is, and particularly our cork rubber, is it has phenomenal acoustical properties. So if you install something on top of it, you're going to get the benefit of the existing floor covering uh, for the acoustical reasons. Um, or it can be removed and it can be recycled. And the recycling process for that is uh, basically grinding it back up into chips. And we use chips of rubber in our product um, to make different different patterns and designs, things of that nature. Um, in fact, all of our factory waste, we use that same process. We grind up the waste and then we use that as color chips in our top layer or, or the backing. That was going to be one of my questions then around the, the aesthetics or the design part of it. And you, you mentioned how yeah, there's obviously to a degree, um, you know, certain colors or, or looks that, that might be popular for a, for a number of years. Are there any Given the the, cent, the central role that that this sort of sustainable approach to or this approach to sustainability has within your business, are there any constraints that you come across in terms of balancing the the aesthetics or the or the, the actual products that you're putting out there that are held back in any way by your um, your value system, or, or do the two really go hand in hand and you're free to do pretty much anything you like aesthetically, or have you got certain uh, limits to what you can ch- achieve? Well, so by by nature, I guess I would say I'm more of the designer slash innovator of of products, and I, I really enjoy the challenges of coming up with different things, with new things. Ninety um, percent of which never get out of my lab, um, but that's kind of the fun of it. And and with Quirk, there there are huge challenges. Um, there are challenges in how the raw material reacts once it's installed. If people have used solid cork flooring in the past, for instance, a lot of people have had issues with it uh, for dimensional stability reasons, things of that nature, which we've overcome uh, through a variety of different innovations. But also with colors, uh, you know, people want colors, and with cork, you've got brown, brown, and brown. Those are your those are your colors. So, how do you take those and 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 make changes and uh you know through the baking process we get different tones of brown from basically a light tan to a black um and then go back and 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 start to to mix those things use some you know traditional woodworking techniques to to laminate things together do cross cuts relaminate them and 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 really come up with some pretty neat patterns and uh you know a lot of a lot of my development and and innovation comes from looking at what was done in the past and, and going through archives of, of factories and looking at the, the materials they made back in the early 1900s and finding some really cool things and kind of bringing things back out. Um, and, and that's what we did with pork flooring was, was literally going through, uh, you know, the basements of, of, of a factory that we worked with and uh, finding some things that they did in the past and, uh, and bringing those, those patterns back out with the, with the modern twist. Hmm. It's 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 funny, isn't it? But it, it, in so many different aspects of a lot of our lives now, it can feel like, in a way, um, rediscovering how things were done, not prior to the industrial revolution, but certainly, you know, say plus or minus hundred years ago or, or more. And there was just a simplicity to how certain things were done um, back then. Um, and I think yeah, there's this appreciation now for for that slightly more natural touch. Uh, and I wasn't expecting it to come from you, but like you're totally on it, which is just, it's just great to see. 
I've always felt we we tend to, as a society, overcomplicate so many things when a lot of times you just stop, look back and see what was done in the past. And, you know, you can put put technology, apply technology to something that was done. But, uh, uh, you know, you can really, really learn some pretty cool things from from past history, which is uh, maybe been buried, but not not gone forever. Especially when it comes to, yeah, I think natural materials, natural um, yeah, working with nature, essentially. Okay, so let's let's look at gyms because it's my it's my my favorite subject. Um, you've got three you've got three ranges, right? Sustain, sport, flex, sport, and praxis cork. How are each of those beyond the aesthetics? What are the sort of pros and cons, or how would would someone go about deciding which might be more applicable? Do you do you tend to suggest breaking it down according to what type of activity is happening in the gym? If it's a sort of a big I don't know, a bodybuilding gym, you might suggest one material versus if it's more, I don't know, a sort of group class fitness studio, you might suggest a different material. How do you, how do you work with those three? So they definitely have, there's, there's two very distinct groups of products, I would say. One would be the Praxis solid cork, and then the other would be the sustained cork rubber or the flex solid rubber. Um, the Solid cork product is a great material for um, light fitness areas where you're doing a lot of floor exercises, uh, yoga studios, things of that nature. Uh, the, that that product has been very well received. Um, you know, it's 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 anything where anytime you're on the floor doing those exercises, having a product like cork, which is a very good insulator, uh, it's going to feel warm to the touch. Uh, versus if you put have a vinyl type of a product, things something like that there's no insulation. So you're going to get the cool temperature of the typically the concrete slab that's underneath of that. So, uh, so cork is really nice for that. Obviously has great resilience to it. Great acoustical properties. Um, cork is not something that you're going to want to put in a place where you're using heavy free weights. Uh, it, it, uh, is not going to resist that type of abuse. Um, so it certainly has its place. And as I, as I said, I would say light fitness, um, things places where people are not going to be dropping heavy loads on them um you get into the rubber products uh the sustain is kind of my go-to product for fitness um it, because it has uh 65 cork in it it has tremendous acoustical properties it has tremendous sustainability properties great slip resistance um far in excess typically of most safety flooring products um it has um, phenomenal durability. The, the list goes on and on as far as of the suitability for that. And, and what's what's exciting about these the sustain and also the flex product is uh, we now have uh, all of our products in those two lines. All colors are available in two different thicknesses uh, for the the sports range, uh, being six millimeter or nine millimeter thickness. Um, and uh, what we do is we actually laminate the top layer to a recycled rubber backing, which now we're bringing in more recycled content. Um, the nice thing about the recycled rubber backing is it's on the backside, so we don't have to worry about uh, the content of that recycled rubber, uh, which is a concern when it's on the top side. And uh, it produces, a, a once again, a, a great acoustical uh, and, and uh, uh product that's that's uh you know it's going to protect your subfloor when you're dropping weights things of that nature 
Now, if you're getting into heavy, heavy free weights, uh, you can actually install underlayment underneath of our product. So you can build it up to uh, 12, mil 12 millimeters thick, uh, even thicker than that, 15 millimeters people have done. Um, but it's also a good idea if you're if you're going to be dropping heavy things to, to put a, a good drop off mat on, because ultimately the biggest concern with heavy weights is damage to the subfloor, not necessarily to the flooring material. Um, so that's something you have to pay attention to. Yeah, I often, certainly in the in sort of my plans where I'm laying out a gym floor, I'd, for example, go with the cork underneath, but then, or the cork rubber underneath, and then in, in the strength area, especially now with, with sort of the trend for sort of CrossFit type stuff where, yeah, they tend to pick up a barbell and, and uh, not necessarily put it down too delicately. Having a nice big, thick uh, sort of extra layer, if you like, just sitting on top of the, of the base layer uh, around that strength that strength zone within the gym seems to seems to take care of it. So what have you got? Like what's coming up? What's in the pipeline? It sounds like you're you're moving at 100 miles an hour and you've got you're full of ideas. I'm guessing you've got more innovations coming. Like what's what's in the future if you can give us a, a sense of that. Well, we do it we we've got a really uh a product that I'm really excited about uh coming out at some point in time this year. Uh COVID has not helped us or anyone else as far as uh advancing innovation particularly um but it's a uh, it's a it's a product made out of solid rubber it's a roll product which will be it'll be available in tiles and rolls um has more of a terrazzo type of a look to it uh much more subtle um color uh tone on tone type of a situation with the uh design of it and uh, a bunch of new colors um there's a lot more exciting things about it as well um which will uh be coming out with it at some point in time very cool well listen I'm, I'm a huge fan it's been it's been great to get some of yeah pick up on some of your energy and, and ideas today so i appreciate that zandur.com will will link in the in the show notes in terms of someone contacting you is it better to go via the headquarters in the u.s i know you then have sort of local distributors or representatives in each country yeah, if you look at our website, uh, you can you can uh, email us directly through that, and someone will get back to you with our local salesperson. Or uh, we also list our different international uh, salespeople as well. We've got it. All right. Well, listen. Thanks so much again. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it.